is Kiki Rai, and you're listening to For the... listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lord of the Roger coming to you on Monday, the 26th of July. We've got a pretty full show thanks to Comic-Con and some amazing news that has been coming down the pipes. So same as always, I've got my man Joe with me as well as Vince. Boys, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today, old man? I uh, Not too bad. Not too bad, actually. Um, it, it's been fairly interesting watching all the stuff coming from Comic-Con because... Like, I've always followed the different conventions to a certain degree. And then when you're looking at um, PAX and E3, especially PAX, um, there's there's so much energy there and it's there's so much stuff that comes out. And it's one of those um, conventions that you wish you could go and check out and whatnot. But then all the crap that's been coming out of Comic-Con this year, it's like, oh my God, I would have loved to have been there. It sounds like it was an absolute blast. Um, Vince, have you been following it a lot? religiously <laughs> Twitter updates constant live blogs yeah I've been all over it and oh yeah it just looks like it was a freaking blast and again it's not just comic stuff I mean you've got everything from movies to games to everything is there it just sounds like it would be a ton of fun and I know that some people I was discussing this with them and they were saying that still they feel that BlizzCon is more fun because of the community involvement but I don't know if you are someone that really enjoys a variety of games and as well like with us with the comic book nerd stuff and whatnot um, and then the pop culture stuff like I mean Captain Mal was there signing autographs at a brown coats table I'm sorry but come on I'm not even a celebrity junkie or a signature junkie but to meet Captain Mal and shake his hand oh dude that would be fantastic so it just sounds like it would be a lot of fun to go to that one anytime you have a chance to meet Felicia Day Stan Lee and Joss Whedon all in the same day no you can't beat that Exactly. Not to mention Lou Ferrigno. Come on. I would have totally loved to just walked walked up to him and just be like, you know, just, just do the Hulk, man. Just do the Hulk. And Lou uh, fucking Ferrigno. Uh, Allie Lauder was there. Which, Bruce Willis like, dropped by. Bruce Willis Bruce was Willis there. Dropped, uh, Jeff uh, Bridges was there. Simon Pegg and so, uh, his, his, his co-compatriot there is where they're promoting his uh, their new movie. It was awesome. I was watching it on G4 and I... Anybody tried to wrestle the uh, controller away from me was uh, sadly, uh, sadly uh, mistaken in their their <laughs> their attempts, wanting <laughs> their their attempts to try to to wrestle it away from me. Yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things too that I was uh, I was talking to Vince about it too, and I was saying if there's a chance in hell that we can start to to get some uh, some cash from our other project, I would love for us all to meet up at Comic Con. If not next year, then maybe the year after, if we're still at it. That would be just a ton of fun. 
So let's talk about some of the stuff that we saw there that we really liked. So we're going to start with mine. And just because, like I was saying during the pre-show, it's a game that initially I was thinking, okay, well, I'd like to play it. It looks like it'll be a lot of fun, even though I'm not huge into superhero games. It would be fun. And there's a little spoiler for you right there. Now it's like, I want to play this game so hard. It's unbelievable. And of course, that is DC Universe. Now, if you saw the trailer for this freaking game, there was a six-minute trailer. You can't even call it a trailer. I mean, at this point, we're talking about a mini-movie, for Christ's sakes. And it was so well done too and when you're looking at some stuff in it now i'm going to play it for the audience here so if it starts to be a little choppy too for us when we're talking too bad um when you're looking at how they changed the characters they changed the look of the characters they changed um a lot of the they're they're beatable i mean you're looking at the intro and there's green arrow dead um Mm -hmm. the characters are actually they can be beaten. It, it was just so well done. And I and I know it's just a cinematic. It's not like the game is going to be like that. But it did the job. It, it I want to play it. Well, and I thought Green Arrow being dead was kind of um, a tongue-in-cheek moment, too, because any comic nerd will remember the whole thing where uh, Hawkeye died in one universe, Green Arrow died in another universe, and they swapped positions. So it's kind of the, the big joke that Green Arrow just tends to die and go to another world. Um, so I thought that was a nice touch. I was impressed. Um, and I've been wanting this game. You know I've been wanting this game since it was first announced. Uh, you know I've been foaming at the mouth. But this this trailer, uh, and not only just this trailer, but the screenshots that have been released, um, the developer updates that have been released, but probably more than anything else, the voice acting list that was released Okay, is well, you, ridiculous. You're, you're getting ahead of us here now. We're going to get onto that after. But oh. I want to talk about this trailer a little bit too. So, Because I actually have some questions that I'm hoping Vince can answer here. Because I know that some of this is um, made up or changed for the purposes of the trailer or whatnot. But I was looking at some of this and it didn't actually make sense to me either. I thought that, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but later on, well, the guy, the green... Uh, Lantern was fighting there. Is that not Captain Marvel? No, that's uh, Black Adam, like evil Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. All the power, <gasps> none of the yep. uh, none of the charm. Strength. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. That makes sense. And and see, it, it it's he's getting beat a little too easily. It seems like too. When you I have was no wondering. idea how powerful Black Adam is. Fair enough. Teth, see, Teth these Adam, are things I didn't know. Well, Teth, Teth Adam actually uh, killed the wizard at one point. Just gonna say. <laughs> The wizard that gives Shazam his powers. He actually murdered him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, his whole arc in the 52 comic is just unrestrained and ludicrous. Well, this trailer is amazing. I love the the new outfits that you see for everybody and whatnot. And that is, of course, tying into what they're talking about with the game, how, which I kind of like and was interesting to read, how gear actually will make a difference in DC Universe. And, I mean, you wouldn't think so because most people have the spandex outfit and that's that kind of thing, but it actually will make a difference. And you're going to have, how many did it say? Um, 19 sets of gear to choose from or something like that? Yes. Yeah, all based on famous iconic archetypes yeah Uh, that's pretty cool (laughs) so yeah so vince what did you think about this uh the trailer awesome as as, yeah really can't say anything about the trailer (laughs) that hasn't already been said and and 
it has me a little more interested in the game than I have been. I did sign up for beta both on PC and PS3. Oh, that's right, listeners. I got a PS3. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Uh, and it's it's definitely a game I'm going to give a chance to. I'm still not entirely on with the concept. Again, I'd rather play that trailer than the game. <laughs> but it, it, it definitely... Uh, it did what it was supposed to do. It got some people pumped up for the game. What's with the unshaven Superman? Well, that if you kind of listen to the what Luthor is saying at the beginning about how he kind of chased Superman away and uh, he's he was brooding over at the sun because he was you know lost some of his power. I don't know who who knows how long he'd been hanging out over there. So is this stuff that you've actually been seeing in the the comic books, or is a lot of this was this new to you as well? It's concepts that we've seen over the years taken to the extreme, but it's pretty much all new lore as far as I know. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, so let's move on then to some of the other stuff that we found out about the game as well, too. Uh, One of the things that they were talking about is though they don't want to allow everybody to say join a green... Hey, let's start with the beginning. You're not going to be able to play as the archetype characters, your Superman, Batman, and whatnot, because of course then you're going to have too many of those characters in the world and they don't want that so you're going to be making your own however for pvp skirmishes you're going to be looting cards as you play and when you get a certain amount of cards you'll be able to play as that character in pvp so yes skirmishes what what's what it's a word um so um <laughs> so if you pre-order <laughs> the game right now you'll be able to play as batman and what I like is that despite the fact that they're going to have a DLC store down the line, they're not planning on making available the pre-order stuff that you get now. They want to reward the fans for supporting the game, which is what we've said all along. So I was quite happy to see that. Um so yeah, so they're going to be restricting you in terms of who you can be because you've got to be someone original. But they did make mention of the Green Lantern Corps that there will be instances where you can actually become a member of the Green Lantern Corps, which I thought was kind of cool, actually. As long as it's not like the Jedi in Star Wars galaxies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like if it actually matters and means something, sweet. If it's just a title, meh. Well, even if it's just a title, if they toss in some some lore with that that then gives you specific quests and whatnot that other people cannot get. I think that's actually pretty cool. I would jump at the chance to make a Red Lantern cat, though. Just saying. Dude. See, well, you want to be a Black Lantern emo kid. Let's be honest. Come on. Deck <laughs> nah, star all the way. <laughs> all right. So what else did we see about this? Let's touch then on the voice talent that we've got here. We have got, um, well, actually, Joe, I'll let you take that. The uh, voice acting? Yeah. Okay. The biggest thing that, that caught me about this, and if you go to DC, Universe's on, DC Universe Online site, one of the first media things you'll find is an introduction to some of the voice actors. And the two biggest names that you'll probably recognize, uh, or most recognizable, are going to be Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. This is the voice of the Joker and Batman, respectively. Uh, this is going to be one of the last two times Mark Hamill will actually voice the Joker. He is, he is doing it specifically for this game, which he originally was not going to do, but decided he was going to do it because he loved the environment, he loved the team, and the last one's going to be Arkham Asylum 2. So that's kind of huge right there. And when you see him recording it, he's got the lush green 
uh, sort of boa around the podium and everything. It was absolutely hysterical, and he was just going for it. It was awesome. Uh, Kevin Conroy, voicing Batman, uh, does not look anything like you would think he would look like, but it was just kind of awesome to see him come on board with this project. Not only that, but we also have uh, Gina Torres and Adam Baldwin from uh, Firefly (laughs) voicing Wonder Woman and Superman. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can figure out who is uh, doing what. Uh, and it, that's also kind of awesome because they're great voices. They're great people voicing great characters. Um, James Marsters is voicing Lex Luthor. Uh, this is the guy that played Spike in Buffy, uh, Brainiac in Smallville, and uh, Captain John in Torchwood, uh, and uh, Piccolo in the Dragon Ball Z movie, if you honestly care about that. I don't know why. Um, and Cersei, which is Wonder Woman's uh, primary adversary, is going to be, be voiced by Michelle Forbes. Um, who is Dr. Mossman in Half-Life 2 and has appeared in pretty much every sci-fi, uh, everything. So it's kind of awesome to see that they're getting big names. Like we looked at Mass Effect 2 and we were like, this is an awesome voice cast list. Look at all these people they have doing this voice acting. Here we are in an MMO, okay? This is going to be a game that breaches two consoles and hopefully millions of players and they're bringing they're, they're sparing no expense to get big name people to do voice work for it for iconic figures and that just blew me away and that more than anything solidified that I will play this game uh, probably right up to the servers go dark as long as they keep stuff like that happening Vince you got anything to add yeah Joe nailed it the voices are the most important part of these characters for the most yeah you know, as long as they look right and they sound right you get the fans. Yeah, I again, it's, we don't have to stay on it too long because we've got quite a bit, bit more to cover. But from what I've seen, it does look like it's going to be phenomenal. They're talking as well about the um, how it's going to integrate between the PS3 and the, and the PC in terms of the, the hardware and things like that too. And the impression you get is that they're on top of it. We have seen some videos, although I haven't seen too many lately. So I'm hoping they're going to bring some new stuff out now that the beta is going to be out, that we're going to see a lot more from this because it really does look like it's going to be a fantastic title. Um, So what else? We've got also Final Fantasy that there was an announcement recently about. And Vince, I'm going to let you tackle that one. All right. We had two announcements on Final Fantasy XIV this uh, recently, the first of which was the system requirements. Uh, to briefly go through it, the minimum requirements for the game are going to be a Core 2 Duo or Athlon X2 with 2 gigahertz, uh, one and a half to 2 gigs of RAM, depending on your operating system, and either a GeForce 9600 or a Radeon 2900 with 512 megabytes of onboard memory, which I guess is all right for a minimum requirements. But as we all know, minimum requirements for MMOs usually aren't that playable, especially once you get all those people together in one spot. So you have to look at the recommended requirements. The recommended requirements for Final Fantasy XIV are a 2.66 gigahertz i7 processor, 4 gigs of RAM, and a GeForce GTX 460. That's retarded. Yeah. Especially for an MMO where you want to have as many people playing as possible, to have requirements that ludicrously high is going to cut you off from a large part of the fan base. Let's face it, you know, not everybody has a top tier computer and a lot of people that want to play this game are not going to be able to play it, at least not well. Just as a point of contention, the minimum requirements for Final Fantasy 14 
are higher than the recommended requirements for ion and ion was freaking beautiful i don't see how you need much more than that so it's uh it's going to be an interesting launch they actually put out a benchmark a couple weeks ago yeah <laughs> and I, w- I would love to tell you how it worked but it didn't it crashed no matter what i did so <laughs> i couldn't even get the benchmark to run what does that say about my chances of actually playing the freaking game it was sent to me by uh the, the link was sent to me over aim last week with the uh the exact phrase please put this in the podcast and mock it incessantly <laughs> we didn't need that tip <laughs> no no we didn't but it was just, he was like just in case you guys happen to miss this but seriously how the hell can you require that much juice i mean i understand i want to make your games pretty but fucking a make them playable I mean, I can barely log into Dalaran. My my system is a freaking beast. I can't imagine what something like this would do with a city like that. Yeah, but they're <laughs> expecting there's not going to be as many people playing it. Well, yeah, there, there's going to be a bunch of like <laughs> hardcore people that live in their parents' basement that have nothing else to do except for like build supercomputers and play it. I guess because yeah. I mean that's going to be what's required. <laughs> I I would love to try, but it's one of those games again that I. After everything we've been seeing about it, there's part of me that would really like to try it, but to sink that much money into a game that's an if, maybe a like it kind of thing, I mm, I, I don't know. There's a lot of other games that are going to be coming out that I'm fairly certain I'm going to enjoy. So I'm still really iffy on this one. Yeah, even if games like Terra or Guild Wars 2 or hell, even Star Wars The Old Republic, as unlikely as it is, don't turn out to be the games we think they are, they at least look to be worth a $50 trial, you know, we'll, well try it out for a month and right now. Yeah. Like you said, I'm not, I don't know if I'm willing to sink the money into this game. The thing with Guild Wars especially is that having played through the first one, I'm almost positive that me personally, that I will love the second one. And also it's that not having to pay the monthly fee. That's huge. Yep. I'm willing yeah. to blow 50 bucks on a game that I'm a little leery about in terms of whether I will like it or not, just because I'm not going to have to worry about that monthly fee. That that makes a big difference. It, that's a huge factor. I mean, that's a, a big thing, too. I mean, these games that are coming out that are going to be taxing on systems and require you to upgrade everything, um, that are going to require you to, to pretty much throw everything in the kitchen sink into your game system in order to play it, um, that's an additional cost on top of a monthly fee, whereas games like Guild Wars 2 are already shaping up to be incredibly pretty. I mean, let's face it, from what we've seen from the in-game screenshots um, on top of everything else, the game is pretty. It's not going to have nearly as high uh, you know, system requirements, and it, it doesn't carry within a monthly fee. It makes it a, a pretty uh, well-done secondary game for anybody who wants to pick up a game and play it but doesn't want a, a subscription fee. And having played through Guild Wars 1 now, thanks to Roger's suggestion on pushing, um, I, I have nothing but faith that Guild Wars 2 is going to be polished and pretty. You know, on top of being, you know, gameplay is going to be solid. I really honestly think so. So why am I going to worry about other games that are coming out that are going to require me? And I, I mean, I just put my game system together. I have 12 gigs of DDR3, and uh, I don't know. It just, It just... I have enough in here that I shouldn't have to worry about upgrading it. If I want to play Final Fantasy, I have to upgrade my machine again. <laughs> okay, and let's get past this now because uh, there's no sense bitching too much in a lower show about system requirements. <laughs> um, how about we tackle the classes? Okay, so uh, anybody who is a fan of the show remembers the show we did several months ago with myself and Rick. Basically, 
you know, getting on our knees about Final Fantasy 14, how great the game was going to be. And when we were talking about that, we talked about the seven classes they had yet revealed. The five Disciples of War, which are your you know, physical damage dealer classes, the Gladiator, Lancer, Marauder, Pugilist, and Archer, and the two Disciples of Magic, the Conjurer and the Thaumaturge. And we talked about how the game was very early in development, had barely started alpha at the stage, and Square had said that there were plenty more of disciplines on the way. Well, they finally unveiled the last batch of disciplines for Final Fantasy XIV that will be live at launch. And they're all crafting. <laughs> they revealed the Disciples of the Land, the Botanist, Miner, and Fisher, and the Disciples of the Hand, the Alchemist, Armorer, Blacksmith, Carpenter, Culinarian, Goldsmith, Leatherworker, and Weaver. So out of the 18 available disciplines for the game, which is the big selling point, 11 of them are crafting and only seven viable for combat. Well, I don't know about that. Fisher, well, fishers are pretty badass. I mean, have you ever seen Ninja Warrior? That well, a fisher actually won the competition. <laughs> He's one of the ultimate winners. So I don't know. This this could be one of those badass fishers that takes his nets and hooks and like you know runs into combat and takes on an entire army by himself. Probably not. But you know, you never know. Well, they they have said that the crafting and gathering classes would be useful in combat. Not as useful as say a tank or a healer. But hey, if you want to sit there and I don't know, cook a stew, you can, and you can at least theoretically contribute. But the thing that I find hilarious about this is they've said that the average party size in Final Fantasy fourteen is going to be anywhere from six to eight people. And let's be honest, nobody is inviting the carpenter. <laughs> You're going to want one of these seven combat classes. So if you have a party of eight people and you only have seven combat classes to choose from, that's not a whole lot of group dynamics to get around. I, in any other game where you have a party size of, let's say, five or six people, you usually have 10 or 12 different classes to choose from. And every time you make a group, it's something a little different. Whereas in this game, it's likely going to be just about the same every time. And with only having two magic using classes in a final freaking fantasy game, that is a huge oversight from my point of view. How many did we have in tactics? Like seven 80? or eight, like just magic using classes, not, not including anything else, but just pure magic was like eight or nine classes that you could pick from jobs. You could pick from white hey, mage, hell, black mage, red mage, blue mage, uh, geomancer, crap like that. Summoner, you know, and where, where the hell is everything? Where is it all? Yeah, when when eleven launched ninety seven years ago, <laughs> there were four pure magic classes there: white mage, black mage, red mage, and summoner, and a couple other little hybrid ones like the bard. So only having two this time around, it's it, it it's mind boggling. The thing too is all these other ones are basically just professions that you get for free in other games. That's all mm -hmm. it is, but they're making it seem like so much more than it actually is. That you're you're going to be spending your time playing as one of the disciples of war or magic. The other ones are just the equivalent of a profession in WoW. That's all it is, something you do in your spare time, not something that you're going to spend all of your time doing. Well, I'm wondering um, if the combat classes are a reaction to the simplification necessary in the combat system to make this multi-platform, because this is supposed to be multi-platform, isn't it? 
Yeah, yes. but 11 was multi-platform as well. Yeah, but they had a lot of problems with 11, especially when, with rebalancing the classes early on, if you remember. So I'm wondering if this is just a, a reaction to, you know, they want to push it out. They need to push it out quick. And they're probably simplifying the combat system to work between controllers without uh, the keyboard and mouse and then as well for the keyboard and mouse for the PC users. So I'm wondering if that if that has something to do with it. I think that's a good point because they have said that they want to add new disciplines through patching later on in the game. Mm-hmm. And like we've said, this game is coming out really soon, sooner than it probably should based upon what we've seen. So, yeah, it seems like they went, OK, we, we don't have the time or resources to add in the other classes we want to. We still have to get the fucking game working. So they just chopped it off. This is what we have. This is what works here. Have fun in the public beta that you're paying for. Yep. Okay, let's move on from there, and we're going to tackle something that Joe wanted to speak about that we heard about as well. That was during Comic-Con they announced uh, American McGee Alice, right? Uh, They announced it at the beginning of Comic-Con, which is awesome. American McGee's Alice, if anybody remembers, uh, came out 10 years ago. It was a first-person shooter based on a very twisted Todd McFarlane-esque world of Alice in Wonderland. And it was bloody and visceral. The combat was sick. Uh, the game system, the game was all about oppression and, and trying to battle your way to to free, essentially, yourself and Wonderland um, from this taint. Uh, the game was, it was a mind screw. And especially at its time where other games are coming out, like um, Undying, this game took the cake. Now, 10 years later, a sequel is finally being released. Alice is trying to reconcile the events 10 years ago that happened. Her parents burning to death in a, in a uh, horrendous house fire, her reaction, her, her psychotic uh, hallucinations of Wonderland, and her now subsequent escape back into this world. And the artwork, the trailer for it, everything is just screaming this 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 nostalgic feel with this updated graphics and i can't bloody wait for it uh, american mcgee's alice is one of my favorite favorite games of all time like if i had to pick more than a decade's worth of games like top 10 of all time the first one is in here and they finally are re-releasing it which we've been anticipating uh for those 10 years and to see it being put out uh and to be worked on right now i think it's a perfect time Especially now that they they have the the curtails of the movie to ride on for a little extra, you know, free PR. So I'm excited. I wonder wonder how much of a motivation the movie was for it because everybody, you know, held the movie up as being this cool, mature, twisted vision of Wonderland. And And it really wasn't. You, you guys haven't seen this, have you? If you think Johnny Depp is creepy, this will keep you up at night. Here, we're going to re-release this with updated graphics so you can see just how fucked up Alice in Wonderland really can be. Well, don't forget, too, the original concept for the movie was actually this game. American McGee's Alice, five years after release, was supposed to be made into a movie, but got curbed because the script was so disturbing that they said this would ruin it for kids. So it's like to see it come out in another game now is just perfect. So I'm I I am deliriously excited and I cannot wait for it to come out. I will have it on day one. Cool. Okay, Uh, another one that we heard about you just mentioned Todd McFarlane, is, of course, um, the 38 Studios game, Reckoning. Now, the trailer came out for this sucker, and I swear to God, it was 
containing the drool coming out of the side of my mouth because my mouth was open. Now, granted, we haven't found out that much yet about it, but when you're looking at the power behind the, the creative team here, I mean, you've got Todd McFarlane, you've got R.A. Salvatar, you've got, um, what's the dude's name from Oblivion? Ken Ralster, Ralston, and mm-hmm. he worked on Elder Scrolls Oblivion as well as Morrowind. These guys are all working on this. Now, this is this was um, codenamed Project Mercury for the longest time, and because they were working on Copernicus, which is going to be their MMO. And then what's happening is that in that same world, they're creating first this standalone RPG, and now they've named it, of course, Reckoning. The trailer was phenomenal. Granted, again, you're looking at just CGI eye candy. It doesn't say too, too much. It, it's... A little dark, so you know that it's going to be not just a fluff piece kind of thing, and that the world that the story is taking place in is pretty interesting. But once we started hearing more, again, through all the interviews at Comic-Con and everything else, once they'd announced it, then all of a sudden, everybody's interviewing Kurt Schilling and everybody else to get more information. You're finding out the depth of the world that R.A. Salvatore created and like, I mean, he's got a, what was it, 10,000 year history mm-hmm. of this world. And then when he presented it to the, um, um, what is it, big game studios? Big 30 something. Huge, whatever. It, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big, big huge, huge games. games, I think. So when Mark Nelson from Big Huge Games saw the history, then he picked uh, a, a snapshot in that history that seemed to be the most interesting that they can make this standalone from. So again, the more I'm hearing, the more confidence I've got in these guys that they are, in fact, creating something that's going to have a lot of depth and be a lot of fun to play. The the cool thing that I saw was actually during a G4 interview last night, I believe it was, um, where they actually the, the game developers said, we have two very creative minds and we could either try to rein them in and, and chain them to our vision or we can just say, go for it and then take whatever they have and work it into our, our game and make it work. And they look at, you look at Todd McFarlane, he's like, they said they wanted monsters. They wanted evil monsters. And this is a specialty of mine. I think he said something like he created somewhere in the neighborhood of like 136 unique monsters for like just half of it or something stupid like that. And it, they're like these angry, visceral things that are popping out of his twisted, fucked up imagination. And then you have R.A. Salvatore, who's getting free reign in that snapshot they took to flush out an entire story. Now, I love R.A. Salvatore's writing and all this stuff for the Forgotten Realm series. The man's deep. The man, it, it, he would be like Stephen King if Stephen King remembered how to write. I mean, it's just, it's it's just, that much depth that much time he puts into it and to see them give them free reign to create the world and they will tailor the game around that is huge i think that's going to be part of the big success of this game at two things that i really got out of these interviews and the first one is just really quick you guys know this is the kurt schilling right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I, I find it hilarious that the guy has gone from winning World Series to making freaking video games like this. <laughs> Everything see, he does turns to gold, apparently. See, I've actually been following this for a long, long, long time um, because, see, I used to listen to The Instance, which if um, most people who play WoW and listen to podcasts listen yeah. to The Instance. Um, and Scott Johnson knows Kurt Schilling, and so they had him on the show several times, and he was talking about this very early on the 38 studios and what his plans were and things like that and you got to find out more about the man as well and how much of a gamer he was and and really not just a 
oh, I just game a little kind of thing and try to pretend like you are so that you're going to impress the fans. No, like this dude was hardcore into EQ. A lot of the things that he he said were quite... Um, were quite you could tell again this guy's a gamer and he appreciates a good game so then when he left baseball and he was going into this full time like he sunk a ton of money into this and then when you find out on the side how much this man has done for charities as well the respect that i have for him as a man is very very high and then look at his baseball career and then listen to him when he's talking about his company and things like that. He's not, he's not just swinging at anything. He, he is dedicated. And that's why I think that he's going to push and push and push and push. And this will succeed. It's just going to do well. I think it's very smart too, that they, like Kirby was saying in the, the chat there. Um, it's very smart that I think they didn't go with an MMO. Um, I think making a standalone sweeping RPG is going to work so much better for them. Well, they are uh, doing the MMO. It's just they're first going to yeah. put the RPG in that world. Right. No, no. I understand that. But I mean, to make that first step. Yeah. I, I mean, they're doing they're doing essentially what Bioware uh, with Dragon Age was doing was this is a huge sweeping RPG, but they're doing it. They're trying to to step up. They're trying to raise the bar, you know, and I think that's huge because, I mean, that bar is already freaking high. So to take it and try to raise it even further, uh, if anybody can do it, I think this team can do it. And that's huge. Well, the other thing, too, is that by doing it that route, again, you you got to anticipate that there's a, a certain amount of intelligence behind the scenes there with these guys, that they realize that the MMO market is getting a lot more crowded right now. Mm -hmm. So if you can create an MMO and you can create a world that people get used to by playing this standalone first, then get heavily invested in that world, victory. then when the MMO comes out, you're hitting the ground running which is what you want to be able to do. Well, even to take that a little farther, they've said that, and as he said, I hate to use this quote, but it's exactly the game we're trying to make. It's Oblivion meets God of War. It's this incredibly deep, well-thought-out world with this huge story, with this incredibly fun, huge, over-the-top action combat, which I think is really cool because there have been so many games that cater to one crowd or cater to the other. Let's face it, God of War, as fun as it is, not not too deep on story. And no. I told the story a little while ago about the friend of mine who really wanted to play Mass Effect until he found out it was all talking. <laughs> so if you have a game that can appeal to the action fans and you know sneak a little story in onto the side and also appeal to the RPG fans and kind of get them into the more action sort of combat, then you've not only created this universe for a future MMO, but you've created an entire new audience for this MMO. Yeah, I it is a game that I am very much looking forward to to playing and it I think that the RPG as well the standalone is going to give us a, a pretty good indication of what we can then expect from the MMO. So, let's move on from there though now and touch on some BioWare news because I mean, we got quite a bit of information. We'll start with the easiest and fastest. The Old Republic is going to have space combat. Dude! Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I knew it was coming. So your player housing that's going to be your ship, you're going to be able to do some wicked-ass shit in there. And see, that's the kind of stuff that we wanted in Star Trek Online. But mm -hmm. at least we'll get it in here. So I think that's awesome. So not much yeah. more to say about that. That was just cool. I, I <laughs> well, I, 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 I want to say it does prove 
that as a company, Bioware listens to its audience because that was if you go to their forums, that was one of the things that people have just been, you know, pumping out, asking for, asking for, asking for, asking for, and they make it work. So, I mean, that's huge because game companies listening to their audience, we're the ones that give them the money. So they pay attention to us. That makes me feel good at the end of the day. Yeah. And now we've got some more information on Dragon Age 2 as well that came out at Comic-Con. Vince, you want to take that? Yeah, they had a nice little uh, short 10-minute hands-on preview of Dragon Age 2, the Xbox 360 version. And last week we were talking about the upcoming changes to the game, about how they were shifting the combat system for the consoles. So this is something that as soon as I saw it, I jumped right into wanting to know more about it. And I'm okay with it. (laughs) It's the same... I mean, I, I was very, very, very apprehensive and I, I, I didn't want them to ruin my game, but they took the core gameplay of Dragon Age and it's still here. It's just a little faster paced instead of hitting a move, hitting a button for a move and then waiting for it to happen. It happens when you hit the button, but all of the more strategic elements are still there. You can still pause combat. You can still issue commands. You can still swap characters and tell them what to do individually. Just that the core gameplay is a little faster in this game. And I'm okay with that. But more importantly, they introduce some very interesting story tidbits. We know Hawk is the main character, but Hawk isn't the center of the story, if you will. The story is being told as a flashback 10 years later by these two other characters, Cassandra and Varric, and they're talking about all the adventures Hawk has had over the last decade. So they've come out and said that what you're playing isn't necessarily the truth. Every great fantastic yarn has a bit of embellishment here and there. And if Hawk's actions seem a little over the top, hey, it's just dramatic flair for a good tale which I think is such a cool way of doing it because let's face it, having a group of three heroes, four heroes facing down an army of orcs and ogres and what have you, not that believable, but yeah, but they've, they've set us up that it is believable. Yeah, they have. But so when you're, you're, when you're playing the first one, you're led to believe that, yes, this is believable. We're, we're sinking you into this truth and, and and this is what happened. Now with two, what's going to happen is that essentially the same kind of things. I mean, how much more fantastic can it be than taking off the taking on the, an arch demon at the end? So it's going to be essentially the same thing. Only this time, it's being it's a story, and it may not be. It may be embellished. Well, I'll I'll counter that with in the first game you were playing as the Gray Warden. You know, the pinnacle of what a person in Ferelden can achieve. Honestly, from what I've seen, Hawk, he's just a dude. He might be a bit of a badass dude, but he's just a dude. He's not a Grey Warden. I mean, if he was capable of being a Grey Warden, he probably would have been there already. So that's that's an option. Well, I I like the idea that it's taking this and kind of turning it around because it gives them a little more leeway to do some weird things. Like we you made a good point. We did play through this world that we were told was, you know, we it was made to be believable. It was made to be all encompassing and it was made to be, you know, we can do the fantastic four can stand against an army. But even in that that Dragon Age, the original one of those end fights, all the end fights, the end fight in Awakening, the end fight in the original, you had an army to call upon 
to support you. So you did not just fight alone. You fought maybe the big bad guy at the end by yourself, but the rest of it was fought with an army. So this is uh, an embellishment to say that these four people with no assistance, you know, fought against an entire army and won. So it kind of, it opens up another set of avenues that they can travel down. So I'm kind of okay with it. I also like the fact that he's not a gray warden. I like the fact that he's just a survivor. He ran away uh, when, when, when the town was attacked and we're going to hopefully find out how he survived the attack at the beginning of, of dragon age origins, but he's just the guy. He's not a gray warden. He's just a very angry man with a very large sword you know so i mean to see something like that he's he's like the john mcclain uh, of dragon age at this point you know he's just wants to go home <laughs> you know he, he so he winds <laughs> up having all these huge adventures and then may not necessarily be what he wants to do but he has to do them so yes i'm okay with it being like this big lavish story and we got that same thing from liliana's song where it was a flashback and it was a flashback with huge uh embellishments from liliana when she's regaling her story and by the way um when completing that i finally uh, I finally got the letter that she sends to your character if you're in love with her at the end of it. And it is the most awesome thing ever. So thank you guys for actually tying up that loose end for me because I was very <laughs> angry at you because you didn't. But you tied it up with a little letter. Thank you. But no, seriously. But And you see that embellishment. You see that bard's tail. And it was awesome. Because you see one character escaping from a dungeon by herself after being visited by a celestial being that probably didn't really happen, you know, so but you played through it anyway. And it was awesome. It was this gripping story. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with playing the embellishment. See, I'm all right with the embellishment if when it's that's what they've led you to believe is the truth within that world. I mean, again, you're playing in a game where you can have magicians, then you know that it's a make-believe world. So then at that point, you you can pretty much do whatever you want and we've we've lent you that 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 credibility that okay, yes, this can all make sense and and we'll roll with it. So now having it we're in it's a we're going to make it seem like he's fantastic, but later say, well, maybe we're just embellishing. To me, you're taking away, actually, from it. Now, that's one of my problems right there. The other problem is that 10 years is not nearly long enough for such embellishments to be made. I mean, 10 years, if you can't remember what happened 10 years ago, you got some pretty serious problems there. They dropped mm, as a child or something. Well, Th that kind of embellishment uh, within 10 years uh, is not nearly that, it's not enough. Would, I would disagree there. And the reason I would disagree is because in that 10 years, we have had a blight. Uh, we have had a huge blight, which always spins tails because everybody has been scattered to the wind and, 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 and crying and, and hiding or fighting. So they don't know everything that's been going on. Okay. And you see uh, the there. What was that? I can never remember the name of the main town. The first town you visit. The fuck? Uh, L. Lothering. Lothering. So you see Lothering get entirely sacked and you see one person survive. OK, so that already starts breeding a story around this person. What did he do to survive? So this tale starts spinning out of control. Oh, I, I know. I understand so, that concept. Well, but what I'm, I'm saying is I, I wasn't even done and you <laughs> steamrolled over me. I'm You're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no. Ten, I couldn't jump in yet. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> ten years is not long enough for them to be making that big a leap from what is reality to what has been spun into something more than that. It, it just isn't. I mean, I don't care if that's the time or whatever. Ten years is not long enough for that. But again, that's a minor point. The other problem that I have 
the main one is, again, it boils down to just plain good storytelling. Show, don't tell. They're going to be telling. They're not showing you. That's the problem that I had with the end of the first um, Dragon Age novel because they ended it with a, sh they told instead of showing. And and it's a big writing thing where if you want the credibility, if you want your audience to, to believe in what it is they're reading or doing or whatever, then that it's an important rule to remember. And that's what they're going to be doing here is they're going to be breaking that. Well, here's the thing, especially after this blight. I mean, this is Ferelden. It's a medieval setting. The lines of communication aren't that great. You know, they're, they're not picking up the phone and telling the guy in the next town what happened. I mean, the story of Hawk was could have been carried from a merchant that traveled to a town and then a bard that traveled here and there. So even in 10 years, the embellishment isn't that outrageous. And I think it would make for you know, pure speculation at this point. I think it would make for an epic, not epic, but interesting plot point. It's, let's say, halfway through the gameplay of Dragon Age 2, these two characters finally find Hawk, the guy that they've heard and been telling all these stories of. And He's now he actually has to lit. <laughs> he actually has to live up to everything that has, you know, been told about him. He has to become the hero that everybody thinks he is. Don't get me wrong. I think there's potential and I think that they can make it interesting. It's just that there's certain concepts when creating something creative that really take away from the credibility of the piece and then your ability to become a piece, a part of it as well as you're playing it or reading it or whatever. And that's a big one. Again, the show don't tell. And it's something they drill into you when you're <laughs> taking any kind of creative writing, whatever. And that's what they're breaking here. Will it allow them to have some creative leeway to do a variety of things and maybe have fun with it? For sure. Will it be fun? I'm, I'm quite certain it will be fun, but it's a concept that I've never liked. Well, it depends on how much they're going to tell us versus how much they're going to show us. We don't know yet. So you could get the setup for each section is, you know, these two characters, you know, walking or, you know, start start telling the tale and then you go right into playing it. So you see the tale. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it depends on how they present it. Like, I agree with you. If they do nothing but just tell you it instead of letting you experience in it, experience it for yourself, then there's a problem. But I don't think they're going to have that issue. I think they know that. I, I'm, I'm confident they know that. Well, let's move on from there and touch on the last Bioware project, which is, of course, the new DLC that's going to be coming out for Mass Effect 2. So, Vince, I'll let you tackle that one. Yes, they have announced actually two new DLCs. Yep. One is a small upcoming little weapon downloadable content, which, uh, OK, it's weapons. I don't care. <laughs> the other one <laughs> they've talked about really excites me and really makes me want to get back into Mass Effect 2 and catch up on some of the previous DLCs that I missed. And it is called what the hell was it called? It's not Project Overlord because I'm not Lair. an idiot. Lair of, of the, the Shadow, Shadow Broker. Broker. Yep. This is where Shepard meets back up with Liara to go take down the shadow broker, get the revenge for the guy that almost sold his corpse to the collectors. And I really can't expect this being anything less than awesome. And as a personal, like they haven't really said anything about it, but as a personal note, I really can't wait for this because my Paragon Shepherd cheated on Liara with Jack. So I really <laughs> hope they tie that in somehow. <laughs> 
<laughs> they but going back to that original weapon downloadable content because the couple of screenshots they showed for Lair of the Shadow Broker, they, they there's weapons in there that nobody's seen before. Like, oh cool, we get new weapons. They came out and said, no, 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 those weapons are in a completely separate DLC. We're gonna give you some other really cool stuff in Lair of the Shadow Broker and just left it at that. So now I'm I'm curious. Yeah, no doubt that it's a it's a story that we got from the comics so if you read the comic books that came out that little four piece miniseries that came out prior that took place between one and two wherein Liera is fighting to get information and to get the his corpse back then if you read that then you really want to be playing this which i i can't wait that'll be phenomenal i love integration between games i love when a game and a sequel and the subsequent third portion follow in line with each other and fill in gaps in the story. And if you played um, Mass Effect 2 and you got to Liara, depending on you know what your points were, uh, how if you got there to join, if you didn't get her to join, the conversation pieces you picked, it's just so interesting to see because they, they really worked in um, this sort of stress between the characters right off the bat and to see their story brought back from the first game into the second game and flushed out even further. Huge, huge. Love it. <laughs> but it, just a question somewhat related to this. When was the last time we saw a free downloadable content through Cerberus Network? Was the last one the Firewalker? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Isn't it about time we got something else for free? Not saying the Shadow <laughs> Broker, but at least maybe this weapon pack. Yeah, one would it, hope. One would hope because I don't want to be paying $2 for a freaking helmet anymore. <laughs> Visor. Um, the other thing, Visor. too, is we are going to be getting another Mass Effect novel as well. And um, they didn't say when. It's going to be early 2011, but there's going to be another... Um, tie-in novel that's going to be written by William Dietz, Dietz, whatever. So if you've enjoyed reading the other ones, then again, here's another one for you. I'm actually looking forward to reading The Ghosts of Ascalon for Guild Wars, and that's coming out tomorrow, dudes. I'll be I'm, picking it up as well. Yeah, I, am, I really, really want to read that because I enjoyed the... I really enjoyed the lore in the first Guild Wars. It's it's they did a really good job building in that world. And so now that they've made such sweeping changes in that 250 years between 1 and 2, I want to see what's going on in the middle. And so there's going to be three novels for that. And the first one is going to be coming out tomorrow. The next one's going to be coming out in December. And they've said there's going to be a third, but they haven't hinted at what it's going to be about yet because they want to keep that under wraps. Okay, now with that, we're actually going to take a break. We're going to refill our drinks. And then we've got some wow news to talk about. Yay! It is said that there is but one thing certain in this world. All that lives must die. This is the bargain into which all must enter. One birth. One death.
for each life. A reckoning. All right, and we are back. We're going to touch on some WoW news right now. And for that, of course, I'll let Joel speak because someone is playing the beta while we're not. Yes, yes, and I will gladly rub it in the face for right now. Uh, Cataclysm Beta, for those of you who have not known, is in full swing. Open uh, Closed beta is out there. Invites have been going out weekly uh, for people to participate in this lovely, lovely world. Um, I will say that having been playing the beta, my interest in the game has been renewed probably a thousandfold. Um, the world feels fresh. Gotcha. The world feels new. And everything about this game screams something for everybody. Now, the new build, uh, actually, the notes are a little bit old because they've released. Uh, no, I updated the link. Never mind. They've just redid everything. The big thing is the 31 point talents. The night a couple nights ago or a couple weeks ago when we were talking about it beforehand, we were talking about we didn't know how it's going to be. Uh, they have trimmed the fat out of all of the trees. So everything is more streamlined. Uh, everything is a little easier to grasp, but it makes multi specking or, or, or uh, hybrid specs impossible. Um, so they've really made it so that every character is specialized. What that effectively does is it gets rid of the hybrid tax that we've been hearing so much for over the years. Hybrid tax is where you can do stuff almost as good as a primary class, but not quite as well. Yeah, that's gone, people. Um, when I can switch to elemental spec and pop a 13, 14k uh, lava burst for with no additional spell crit or anything, Yes. Um, but right now, the biggest thing that's been coming out is story. Cataclysm is chalk full of lore. Not only is the world sundering, but the world is being reborn. And this is kind of a huge deal. Um, you're talking about zones that were so central to the story, like Hygel, are being reborn that players are allowed to explore. We're going deep into the, the Abyssal Maw, breaching the elemental planes, taking the fights to different dimensions, not just outland, but with different dimensions, the elemental prisons. Now, the main concept, obviously, is that Deathwing has broken through the world. Uh, while doing so, he has actually breached the gap between the elemental planes that are a prison for the elementals and Azeroth. Thrall, who is a Billy Badass among all Billy Badasses, and I don't care if I'm Alliance or Horde or whatever, I love this character. I love this character from day one. I loved him in the books and even here as now. He is pretty much single-handedly holding the Azeroth end of the portal open keeping the elemental planes pushed from from enveloping Azeroth. Thrall is a badass. If anybody tells you otherwise, slap them. But not only we get useful, lovely Thrall tidbits there, we're also getting new stuff about uh, Deathwing and his brood. Now, Deathwing being the main, main antagonist uh, has had two offspring that have been very, very, um, how should we say, uh, key linchpins in lore from World of Warcraft. You're talking about his daughter, Anixia, uh, who is the brood mother for all of that. And you're talking about Nefarian, his son. So now we're starting to get spoilers of voices, not just Vol'jin and Nefarian, but all sorts of other, other conversations, conversations between Garrosh, Hellscream, and others. Uh, little spoilers and tidbits of story where Garrosh might not actually be the asshole we all think they are. So... There is some awesome stuff happening behind uh, the scenes. Now, some of the cool stuff, and, and this is just me, is just in Hygel. Hygel represents probably the exact culmination of how this game is progressing. When you first started the game, you were told to kill 10 boars. The first expansion was released, you were told to kill, kill 10 demons. 
third expansion or second expansion was released, you were told to go kill 10 undead. You start Cataclysm, the third expansion, you're told to go resurrect gods. Quite a jump there. So it, the, the whole game is shaping up to have this epic grand feel on nothing more than the Azerothian Isles. I have been floored with everything I'm seeing. So it's good. It is really good. See, I've been I've been making the, ha- the, the mistake, the hammer. Jesus, Sam, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we have Paul's chat going. Yes, it's fine. Yes. Um, <laughs> I've been watching videos on this and I've, I'm actually I've been still reading um, Arthas as well, which is bad. If you're trying to stop playing this game, don't read Arthas. First of all, because the freaking book is awesome. And don't be watching Big Red Kitty videos on hunters. Because, man, I was really, I, like, I, I will always be a druid. That's that's my main class. I, I absolutely love it. But that being said, I was really having fun with my hunter there before I took a break. Like a lot, a lot of fun. And he's 74, 75 right now. And it it's one of those classes where I was never able to get him up very high before. And now I absolutely adore it. I I, I would like to finish playing him to, um, to 80 and then potentially 85. However, I'm debating whether I should start a brand new Wargan hunter. Although I'm thinking there's going to be a crap load of those suckers all over the place probably especially with the new dog they get which is awesome yeah so there's it has has feral charge (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that i'm seeing here with cataclysm that is very interesting i'm still not sold on those talents although i i am happy to hear you say a little bit more how it helps hybrids that's good because we've needed that since the game came out for christ's sakes i don't care what you say about how we definitely did we definitely did but it can I, can still I, feels. Can I complain about the talents real quick? <laughs> in one second, it still okay. feels like they are trying to sell us something as new when all it is is the same thing that they took a whole bunch of stuff out of to make their job easier to balance PvP. See, I'll let you. I'll let Vince go, and then I'm going to tell you exactly how healers feel right now. So go ahead, Vince. Okay. Last week I was talking about how I was pissed off at the way affliction warlocks were going and this week i'm even more pissed off last week i was talking about how fell concentration is gone and drain tanking is irrelevant at least at this point and somebody in the audience i forget who i apologize did point out that they were putting it in as a passive ability mm-hmm. and they are the affliction warlock mastery reduces spell pushback by 70 percent, which is great but they said in the Twitter chat, you don't get that mastery bonus until level 75. So you're not leveling drain so, tanking. Exactly. So I'm even more pissed off than I was before. Well, and, I, and frankly, that's the only way to level a warlock effectively and quickly. Not anymore. I, will, I, I, have, I want to level a warlock. Let's put it that way. I've been affliction for five years. And if I'm going to start a new warlock at level one, like I want to, I got to deal with I don't know what I got to deal with leveling as a spec that I don't particularly enjoy. I'm not happy. Well, here's the thing. Um, Drain tanking is not necessary anymore because they have buffed pretty much 
everything you you can possibly imagine to a point where it's not entirely necessary. Um, they give you all sorts of different tricks and flavors now to make leveling interesting and fun uh, as opposed to just drain tanking or just dotting things up and running away while kiting them. So, I mean, I have a, a, a warlock that I leveled up to, I think, like 15 or, or 16, and I've tried it before and I've completely lost interest in it on live. In, in the beta, I mean, it's it's entirely different. Like, it actually is very interesting for a player like me who has really hated leveling warlocks, really hated playing them, even though I really wanted to love it. it it's renewed its interest in me, and it's it's very playable. It's very accessible. Um, it's it's entirely different. Like, all the classes feel different, even at those starting levels. Um, hunters getting a pet at level one is huge. Awesome. Uh, leveling as a priest. Awesome. Leveling as a mage feels great. I mean, everything is is been redesigned to make leveling fun and interesting. And while 58 to, you know, 68 is still going to be outland bullshit, um, you know, and 78 to, you know, 85 will be like where it's at the beginning levels that one to that 50 is completely different and the quests they have you do you don't even care about stuff you used to do anymore you're looking at all of your talents all of your abilities in completely new ways paladins getting crusader strike at level one or, or level 10 excuse me huge um you know hunters getting full a pet fully trainable at level 10 huge um all sorts of the good cookies for these classes being built in at level 10 makes that leveling experience different and that's what's really cool about it it is like stepping into a new game and when you talk about breathing life into a game that's five years old that's huge now from a healer perspective when you wanted the level traditionally you had to be a dps spec even if you wanted to heal even with the dungeon finder now it takes forever okay right now i'm leveling as restoration uh in the beta and i'm leveling as fast as if i was a dps spec how and this is because they have enough damage built into the classes that you can do it and you have all your survivability plus all the mana conservation you have at lower levels and even at higher levels as long as you as long as you like pay attention to what you're doing there is virtually no downtime now on top of that and this I'm going to talk about the the end game stuff the air the the travel to the end game the 80 to 83 march at this point Okay, you hold on, hold on. Actually, if I can stop you there, I'd like to ask a question. So Absolutely. how then, people have spent so much time bitching about the hybrids, saying that it's not fair, they shouldn't be able to be as good as the other ones, they should have to forsake something because they can heal as well and things like that. And here you're telling me that you can level as fast as Resto as you would something else. They're, they're going to be getting a lot of people it's, bitching about that. It's a payoff, though. Well, it, you, you may not kill something as quick, but you don't have the downtime, whereas the DPS will kill it quicker, but they have downtime. So it balances out. Everything is about even. Like I have I have two shaman over there. OK, I have one is elemental and I have one is restoration and I'm timing myself. The elemental spec, I find myself having to sit and heal myself a lot more. I don't take nearly as much damage as I do when I'm restoration. It takes me longer to kill it, but I don't have to sit and eat. I don't have to sit and bandage. I don't have to heal myself and waste those resources. I can keep going. So it's a different experience, but it's about the same, which is what they wanted. They wanted to have it so that it's even. So you're not going to have the people that wanted 
to level as restoration getting left behind while the DPS and the tanks are at 85 first. You're going to have people stepping in in that 85 range at the same time so that they have uh, a cohesive team ready to go without having to wait, without having to, to create these uh, situations that were present in Burning Crusade even. In Burning Crusade, when you got to 80, you were waiting for healers. You were waiting for people that were going to be able to heal you before you could do Karazhan. You had to. You didn't have a choice. You got a lot better in Wrath, but you still wound up waiting. People in my guild, I leveled as Restoration. They were 80 before I was by about a week's worth of time. Now, though, everything seems to be evened out. There's an even exchange. So I don't have the downtime, but I don't kill as quickly, whereas DPS kills a lot quicker, but they, they have the downtime. So it's a trade-off, but it works. And I don't think they're going to get too many people bitching about it. I really, really don't. Because when you're at 85 and you're waiting for that healer, do you really want to wait for that healer or do you want to have that healer ready to go? Just saying. No. Well, what I, what I will say is as pissed as I am about the affliction, enhancement shamans are fucking badass in <laughs> Cataclysm. So I'm very happy about that. Well, everything is badass in Cataclysm. Okay. No, no. En Enhancement <laughs> Shaman is probably the most badass spec I've played in the history of this game. And they've taken it and made it more badass. Oh, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I haven't really played around too much with it, but I was grouped up with an Enhancement Shaman. Um, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit real, uh, in a second, why I was grouped up. Um, but it was an Enhancement Shaman, a DPS Warrior, and a Druid, and me. And the Enhancement Shaman was just so freaking badass waiting into combat with lightning going everywhere. And it looked epic. It was just ridiculous. Um, so, yes, it's definitely one of the most uh, interesting classes. Now, one thing I will say, leveling from 80 to 85 as a healer is a lot more fun. And the reason I will say that it's a lot more fun is because there are events and quests tailored specifically to healing classes. Um, I'm actually going to be releasing a video of this tomorrow. Um, the video will have a little bit of a spoiler. You can you guys can see it on wow.com tomorrow, tomorrow at some point. But there's an event that you have to keep three very important NPCs alive with your group, if you have a group at all, while avoiding raid level damage. And this is a five man event quest event at the end of Hygel. Sorry, it five man including like the the 3 plus 2 or a full 5 so and you can do up to you can do up to full 5. But plus the 3 on top of that. Plus the 3 on top of that. Wow. But the so it, it, it is like a raid event. And I'm talking like this this quest. We're talking about we want epic quests. We want to have story that's not in the end game. Yeah, they listened. They put it in there. And this event was mind-blowing. Like I walk in there, I'm like, I don't even know what the hell I'm supposed to do. And I start looking around and I see everything that's going on. I'm like, holy fucking shit. And I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, healing things. And I'm finding myself having a harder time healing this event than I did healing the fucking Lich King. <laughs> okay? It is harried it is epic and when you're done when you are done you get so much lore thrown at you so much story thrown at you that you can't sit there but i mean i sat in the zone and i i was there until the thing reset because i was just jaw dropping staring at it like i can't believe this just happened okay well how difficult would it be to to do without a full group i is, is it possible i had the the first time I did it, I failed with a full group. The second time that I successfully completed, I did it without a full group. It was just me and one guy. 
cool. See, that's the kind of stuff I like where you can do something and get a ton of the lore because obviously the world is rich with that and 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 love it without having to do you know the raid content where it's 10, 25, whatever, but you can do it on your own. And, so and make it difficult if you want, just put it in there. They're listening. I really think they're listening because Quests like this, there's an event like this on Vashir too, because you start, you can either choose Hygel or Vashir. And at the end of each is an epic event. There is an epic event. And this event is raid worthy. This is raid worthy lore. This is raid worthy story. This is a raid worthy event from past standards. And they're putting it in so that everybody can experience it. That everybody. Like. Yeah, so, that's something I've been complaining about for ages. You talk about making a game accessible. I, I honestly like I give Blizzard a lot of props. I will call them when they do something wrong. I will be the first person to yell at them. Fucking hammers. But you got to you got to give them props where they, they deserve it. And they definitely started listening to the community here. And they are putting things in here that we've been begging for for years. Part of it is the need to stay competitive. But also part of it is like this is their game. This is their baby. This is something that they want to make sure that everybody can experience and have fun with. They want to open up accessibility. They've been trying to do this for years. They're finally doing it and they're finally doing it right. Okay. Anything else that you wanted to go on about? Um, no. I'm Beta not wise? No, that's it? Nothing else I'm that you've good. seen that's uh, outstanding? Uh, just the interaction between epic NPCs and the world environment. Um, I think that's actually pretty huge too because you have these big name NPCs that you should just sit in main cities or sit on top of like the Wormless Temple. You see them actively engaged in the war that's happening all across the world. So you can go and see dragon aspects fighting uh, against elemental you know lords. You will see um, you know the priestess of the moon going to do battle. You will see Garrosh in the thick of things. You will see all these NPCs that have sat there for so long and just done nothing but talk at you actually get into the thick of battle. And that is awesome because it finally is starting to pull you into the world. Okay, yeah, cool. That, Go ahead, Vince. That was, that's cool because uh, I remember way back in the day, I don't even remember what the hell the quest was, but there was this quest, I think it started in Stormwind, that sent you all over the fucking place. It's probably the worst quest I've ever done in the game. But when you got to the end of the quest, you were fighting these bandits or whatever, and Jaina Proudmore showed up. She teleported into the middle of the battle. And especially at that early stage of the game, like you said, Joe, that did not happen. Those huge characters did not exist outside of their their homes. And that's mm -hmm. why five, six years later, I still remember that quest. Half because of how fucking awful it was, but half because I actually got to see one of the major lore characters in a level 30 quest. Yeah. And it's 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 so different now. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up the show. However, of course, keeping with Blizzard, don't forget that tomorrow is, in fact, StarCraft Day! StarCraft 2 Day. Wow. So for those of you who have just been dying to pick it up, like one certain co-host here, uh, <clears throat> don't forget there's probably going to be some midnight launches where you are. You might want to check into that. And uh, it is available tomorrow. So we will be covering a lot more StarCraft 2 next week for y'all. Yes, if they can find me, if I'm not dead in my room from lack of sleep and eat thanks to this game. 
All right, with that, we're actually going to wrap it up for the night. So I, the podcast is actually not going to be out tomorrow, same as usual, simply because we're going to have a power outage here tomorrow, planned power outage for the uh, the neighborhood. So it's going to be out on Wednesday for everybody to listen to. And then next week, same time as always, 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time. Take care, folks. Rock! Howdy. Still got the music playing, so hold on. (laughs) I can't hear anything you're saying. (laughs) All right. Roger, real fast. You should totally pay the money to get Let's Create Pottery on the iPad. Your wife will go nuts. Let's Create Pottery? But then you'd have to let her use the iPad. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And what, am I like, what's his name beside her? Kind of helping her hands? What's his name? What's it? Patrick oh, Swayze? Yep, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> she could be Demi Moore. I could be Patrick Swayze behind her. Except there, it's a lot less messy. It's basically just the iPad. Just, I'd be worried that it drops, though, as excitement builds. You know, as you're married quite a while, the, the passion is still there, but you start to worry about the damage you may make. <laughs> you pick your battles over time. Well, you know, which hill are you ready to die on is what it boils down to. Well, yeah. Do we really want to destroy the big screen TV? No. Let's just go upstairs. I want to steal the damn dog and keep it for myself. Let me teach that cat of yours what's up. Stay out of the Christmas tree. Actually, I think my cat would probably ride him into battle. I'm not entirely certain. <laughs> okay, dudes, before we even start, uh, it, it's gotten to the point where, like, before I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm interested in DC Universe, but not... Not to the point where it's like, I must play, <laughs> but it's gotten to the point now where it's like, holy crap in hell. I just, wow. And that trailer? Make I, a movie. My God. That was awesome. What? What? What are you talking about? Jenny is in the beta as well now. Okay, but where? What do you? What is this? What, I didn't see nothing about it takes forever. She uh, she shot me a, a private message saying that oh, it takes oh, forever. Oh, 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 You guys keep your private conversations to yourself if you can be that way. Arrogant <laughs> bastards don't need to involve us in your discussions about beta. Thank you very much. You're just bitter you didn't get one. Duh. <laughs> Jesus, I should have one. I made you. I should have one. Brought you into this world and take you <laughs> I out of take it. your ass out. <laughs> Trust Daddy? Me, I've used that one once. <laughs> oh, there's a frightening thought. That would be fucked up if Roger was like my real dad. <laughs> well, I got around back in the I day. was born, he ran to Canada. Do you blame me? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> one ultrasound was good enough. I was bolted. <laughs> Well, you know, when you saw that uh, even in the womb, my dick was bigger than yours, I guess that kind of happens. I'm sorry. Well, that's the umbilical cord, son. Don't get over <laughs> excited there. <laughs> Ask him much, how much stuff he's sent me. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's working on Dude, this actually, shit. Ask yeah. him. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Vince, ask him. How much have you sent, Joe? 3,500 words with another 3,500 word document. That's almost done. Uh, see, it's that part, that almost done. I'm hearing a lot of that.
Dude, I keep going back and trying to re-edit this shit so it makes sense. I ramble, man. Dude, I does rambles. Like, no, no, seriously. Like, I notice I notice that when I'm writing, I just ramble. Really? Really? Yes. It's like the weirdest fucking thing ever. Yeah, that never happens when you're speaking as well. No, I just, I, I'm awesome when I'm speaking. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, but non-entity, you're missing out on the official for the lore explanation for everything that doesn't make sense in Cataclysm. A goblin did it. <laughs> yep, because they have all the cool toys. We're going to blame them for everything. Bastards. Yeah. Don't ask me how goblins made orcs a mage, but they did it. I'm sure they had something to do with it. Fucking goblins and their awesome totems. Still pissed about it, man. Still pissed about <laughs> it. They get a fucking mechanical piece of wonder and I get a fucking hammer. Captain Hammer. Dude, I seriously have thought about renaming Loader Captain Hammer. <laughs> I have the name. I have the name on Zul'jin. I could theoretically do it if I felt like it. Just a... That was quiet before that, too, really. <laughs> it's because Rick didn't shut the fuck up in those early episodes. True. Very, very but then he started playing games that he wasn't, and he, you know. See, check it out. Little Big Planet 2. And oh. the bonuses are going to be that stupid bullshit where, depending on where you pre order, you get certain bonuses. But if you get the collector's edition, you get them all. And look at who's in the middle. Right. Oh, 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 oh. Look at, look at, look at. Right there. Where is he? My man, Gonzo. Which, like I said, we have to get the Marvel pack and create our very own Thor versus Gonzo. Gonzo level. Yes, I would. <laughs> All right. I'm not joking. I There he is. Oh, my man. I like his little tuxedo with the flower. It's awesome. It's awesome. So, yes. Okay, so we don't need to cover a little bit planet. <laughs> yeah, that, that was basically all we had. Thor versus Gonzo. Gonzo. That'd be awesome. I'm totally in on this one. And then some things that they didn't do enough on, like the freaking Batman skull. And you're thinking, oh, this will be awesome. This will be awesome. And it's like, Wah! a couple of rings out of his mouth and then he's gone. I'm thinking, <laughs> you're kidding, right? That was it? That was it? That's the, all he, that's it? There's Bring back all problem. the dead just so that you could, and you're hanging on to him. Here's your ace in a hole. I got a skull. Look at, look at, you know who this is? No, uh, 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 Batman, dude. But you can't see him yet. And then bring him out. And it was like one friggin' panel. It was one rings spewing rings out of his mouth, and then that's it. Okay, we're done with you now. Bye bye. It was like, what? That was bad. <laughs> There's one problem He's with the DC universe, Batman. and that's if you want to Batman. do anything with Batman, you have to make sense out of the shit Grant Morrison's been writing over the last few years, <laughs> and nobody can do that. I've tried it before, and I've completely lost interest in it live. Hello, puppy. <laughs> but uh, I'm in, in the beta. Makes me happy. I got up to the point where you you were racing that that chick at the the ranch, mm -hmm. and, I, and I lost. And it was like, <laughs> good god, you lost to a girl. I did, but she knows how to ride. Um, so uh, <laughs> so I still need to go back in so that I can I can beat her at this race. I tried to cheat even because I was falling behind and I'm going. But every time I was trying to make the horse go faster, he bucked me off. So it was like, God damn it. So then I tried to cheat and take the little cut across and whatnot. And uh, yeah, she beat me. So I was like, fine. 
Ha so. ha ha! Ultimate Spider-Man. Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually took my di- my my discs for it, and I um, took a blowtorch to it and shattered them. Why? What? What kind of angst do you you need to control that angst? Seriously. I, I use it as an example for the rest of my video games, kind of like what I do with my gaming dice. When one misbehaves, <laughs> you shatter it and leave the pieces with the other ones. Then they don't misbehave anymore. Gamer superstition. Come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to sleep with a gun under the pillow. Because <laughs> he's crazy. I was having a discussion with my with my friend last night because he's a huge fighting game and comic book fan. He's been geeking out over Marvel versus Capcom three, and he sends me a text message and he's like, "Who the hell is Phoenix Wright and why do they say he should be in Marvel versus Capcom 3? <laughs> I'm like, "Because he's awesome and he should be." Go Google it. 30 seconds later, he's an attorney? That's fucking stupid. I'm like, no, he's an ace attorney. He needs to be in the game. <laughs> he's like, nah, that's stupid. And my only response was, say it. Objection. Yes! <laughs> and he's like, why the hell does everybody keep saying that? <laughs> oh my god, they better be paying him so much, which they can't afford right now because they don't have enough people playing the game and buying it. All I know is that if I ever need my 15 minutes of fame, I'll go, like, dropkick Betty White or something. I don't know. I think she can take you, brother. <laughs> Probably, but, I mean, I'm not going to go get tattooed, you know. They're not going to get, like, you know, eat at Joe's on my ass or something. <laughs> That's where you would put uh, it? I was an example. <laughs> it's the biggest piece of uh, real estate on the planet. 